In this episode of the Nesson Soccer Podcast, legendary Univision Sports play-by-play commentator Luis Omar Tapia joins Marcus Quasi-Omard to review Bayern Munich's win over PSG in the UEFA Champions League final and offers exclusive insight into Lionel Messi's request for a transfer from Barcelona. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the Nesson Soccer Podcast. I'm Marcus Quasi-Omard. Mark Benedetto is not with us this week, but we have a surprise for our listeners. Luis Omar Tapia has joined us. He is Univision's lead, uh, Univision Sports play-by-play commentator. He has over 25 years experience calling uh, UEFA Champions League, uh, Liga Amekis. Mexican national team, United States national team, and any other soccer game you could imagine. Uh, Luis just finished calling the UEFA Champions League final. Bayern Munich beat PSG 1-0 on Sunday in the final to complete the second treble uh, that they've done in the last seven years. Uh, Luis, thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, how are you doing uh, in the aftermath of the Champions League final? How you doing, Marcus? Uh, well, yeah, trying to relax and now trying to get everything out of my head. Uh, it was uh, a tough week because uh, the way the elimination that uh, this uh, uh, Champions League happened, that we were not used to it. Normally, it's like seven to ten days waiting time before the semifinals and final. And uh, this time around, it was like two, three days, and boom, you keep going until the final. So, but uh, we're calm. We're calm. We're good. We're getting ready now to start every other league that we have to broadcast. <laughs> now you're down in South Florida, but your broadcasting career began in 1986 up here in New England and Hartford, Connecticut on Telemundo Channel 13. Um, I wanted to ask you before we got into the Champions League, what are your fondest memories of uh, your time here in New England? You know, it, uh, it was this very small local station in, in Hartford. Uh, it was owned by uh, Lucio Rusier, an Italian uh, gentleman he was the owner and it practically it was more like a, a family tv station that's what everybody in in the city of hartford and the vicinities they call it the station of the family because it was the there was here family and part of my family which was my mother worked there uh, my sister worked there my also my uh, my uh, wife worked there and the way i started it was just a hobby because uh, um, one day in, in the month of November, the political uh, reporter uh, called in sick and it was uh, election time for, uh, for Hartford. And my mother called me up and I said, hey, Luis, listen, I need you to do me a favor since you know about this and you started broadcasting. Uh, can you please help us and go cover uh, live for the news? And I said, okay. So I go there and then the producer from that point on like a, a month after, they called me and they said, listen, we're going to start broadcasting Serie A. You know, back then in the mid-80s, it was the Serie A, the, the league that everybody wanted to watch right. worldwide. And uh, they said, we're going to start broadcasting one game a week locally for Hartford only. And then we're going to have uh, the, the sports section. and We want you to do it. Are you interested? And I go, yes. <laughs> so that's how my career started. Uh, but actually, I, was do- I did it for two years, maybe two and a half years, without any income. I was just doing it because 
I was happy doing it, and and, and it was it was just like a, a hobby for me to be behind the mic. Right, and it's all for the love of the game, right? Yeah. Well, I want to move forward to uh, more current events. Uh, the Sunday's Champions League final, Bayern Munich defeated Paris Saint-Germain 1-0 uh, to win their first uh, return to Europe Summit and the World Summit, really, uh, for the first time since 2013. Um, but PSG, uh, real heartbreak and agony. Uh, it it's almost seemed like there was a feeling of destiny around this PSG team, and, uh, and specifically how they beat Atalanta in the quarterfinals and um, you know, they really, they, they swept into the semifinals uh, beating RB Leipzig 3-0. Um, my first question to you, how do you think history is gonna remember this PSG squad after this near miss? You know, um, my first game of the Champions League was back in September, 1994 uh, at ESPN in Bristol, Connecticut. And it, it's a team that changed because that, that first game that I broadcasted, it was uh, Paris Saint-Germain against Bayern Munich. 1994, when George Weah scored uh, a goal and, and Paris Saint-Germain beat German, uh, the German team. And after all this year and since uh, 2011, we know that Paris Saint-Germain with all this money coming in from um, barrels, barrels of oil that they injected <laughs> yeah. into the team, um, I've always said that it doesn't matter how much money you invest into a team unless you really uh, buy players that have a lot of heart, that, that have a lot of uh, 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 soccer within themselves, you're not going to win a Champions League. It's going to take years. You know, and the greatest example, it was uh, Chelsea when it was first bought by uh, the Russian uh, uh, businessman. It took him years before they can even... Uh, put together a good winning team and in, 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 in be crowned kings of Europe. So I think people are going to remember this this particular team, this particular team from PSG as a gl glamour team um, with a, a lack of heart uh, at moment when it's needed. And, and, and I think it's just a losing team because at, at the moment that they needed to win the games, to, to accelerate the game itself, they never did. Now, th this is going to sound, it might sound unfair to some, but you said two words that struck me, glamour and uh, the phrase lack of heart, which brings us to PSG's leading man, Neymar. Uh, yeah. He's 28 years old. Um, I remember when he first arrived in Europe, he was supposed to be the next uh, big thing out of Brazil, oh. arguably one of their greatest ever, ever players. Uh, he won that Champions League with Barcelona in 2015, then made his, uh, his surprising, I'm still surprised by it now, uh, the move to PSG um, on a world record transfer fee. What conclusions do you draw about this player? He's 28 now uh, from the result in the final and his performances in the game and in the games leading up to it. Well, you know, um, I know the people around Neymar and I know for a fact that his goal was to be in a team that he can be the leader, that he can be the superstar. So that's one of the main reasons why he left Barcelona, right. because he wanted to be the team. So Paris Saint-Germain opened the door. They spent all the money. But then nobody realized that Paris Saint-Germain was going to buy Mbappé. So now then became 
the ego a championship between Mbappé and Neymar. But for all these players at this club, I think there are too many stars. You know, we see them every week that they light up the French League. Unfortunately, they don't shine in the big stage where it needs to be, uh, 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 where they need to show their game at uh, the Champions League. Yes, they score goals. Yes, they're great in group stages. But when it comes to play, they don't show up. Now, you talked about Mbappe. And, you know, in previous episodes of this podcast, I always point out the irony is that Neymar left to left Barcelona to escape Messi's shadow only to arrive in Mbappe's shadow. Uh, Mbappe <laughs> became, uh, he rose to the fore, uh, was uh, one of the dominant forces in the last World Cup. He's a world champion, 20 year, 21 years old. Um, I've called him the next Pele. Uh, we'll see how, uh, how that shakes out. Um, what do you think after this, uh, after this loss in the Champions League final, can Mbappe win the Champions League at PSG, or does he need to move to a different team, maybe one that's uh, better constructed? Uh, and I'm thinking perhaps Real Madrid uh, to to win club soccer's ultimate prize. Well, you know, if if I have to give you the answer right now, which you're looking for right now, this team, I will say no, he will not win it with Paris Saint Germain. If we wait, maybe after the market closes to see how many players they're going to bring in. Maybe I will think about it. I'll give you a positive answer. But I think he's at the right age. He's at the right, he has the right game. And if he wants to be a Messi, uh, a Ronaldinho, uh, if he wants to be a Neymar, he has to get out of Paris Saint-Germain. He has to get out of Paris. I think uh, he's got a lot to offer. But the coaching staff and the players that he has around, I don't believe they make him better than what he can really be. So I think he needs to move to a team that is competitive, uh, a team that is constantly playing quarterfinals, semifinals, or finals in the Champions League, and a system and a coaching staff that can bring the best out of him because we, I don't think we, we, st- we haven't seen the best of him yet. So is it safe to say you don't see PSG lifting the European Cup in 2021? Uh, no. Just under a year from now. No, 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 I don't. I think this club needs to be, uh, uh, it, needs, it needs to rebuild. Uh, it needs to rebuild from an uh, administration uh, standpoint uh, to new players. And when I say administration, I think they, they, they need people um, with, with better and greater uh, way to find players for a system. Right. Uh, Leonardo a system. is currently the sporting director, and yeah, but uh, I don't think he's doing. I don't think he's doing a great job. He, he couldn't do it in Milan. He's not doing it in Paris Saint Germain. Uh, we we love conflict on this show, but I'm going to agree with you uh, totally. <laughs> uh, shortly after the Champions League final, a friend of mine texted me and asked where uh, what's going to happen with Neymar. I said he's going to stay in Paris and he will not be in the final next year. Uh, I'll say it now publicly, and I'm going to stick to it. Um, I I, want to move on to Bayern Munich now. They are as perhaps as worthy a Champions League winner as I can remember in in recent years. I won't say – you can't say the best team in the competition didn't win. Uh, They had an 11-game winning streak in the Champions League. I believe they're at 
22 or 23 games overall uh, that they've won in all competitions. They're the ninth team to complete the treble in Europe. They're the second uh, Bayern Munich team to do it, joining that 2013 side. Uh, there's this crew of uh, the old guard of their players, and I'm talking about Manuel Neuer, Jerome Boateng, David Alaba, Javi Martinez, and Thomas Muller. They waited seven years to return to the summit, to win this cup again, and they were joined by a new generation of players, uh, I would say led by Joshua Kimmich. Uh, Serge Gnabry was also a key player, Leon Goretzka. Uh, there are, you know, this team looks like they're, uh, like they are just the complete team. And I think they proved that over this uh, Champions League tournament that's just concluded. Uh, from your, from your uh, point of view, what was the key to their victory over PSG? You know, when Kovac was uh, the coach, um, first of all, I think he, he didn't know how to manage the, the veteran players in the dressing room. I think he was having a lot of problems. And then he is, his system, his style of play was very different compared to what uh, Muller, for example, was used to play. The coaching changes, I think, it did uh, um, a great thing for the club because they end up changing their style of play. Uh, Bayern Munich, before Flick, the new coach, they didn't pressure that much. If they did, maybe they pressure with only two players. Whoever was playing up front, Robert Lewandowski or Thomas Muller. That's it. After him, okay, after December, the pressure was great because they were attacking the, the first uh, ball movement from the posting team. They were attacking with five players, uh, and they put all the pressure with speed. No breaks. It was like just attack them, you know, get the ball, get to the ball, and get to the ball. That's, that's I think, that's one of the main things. The other one, it was the physical condition and the mental preparation uh, during all these months uh, of uh, pandemic that we're living in worldwide. And the last thing that made, for me, the, the, the biggest impact in, in, in Bayer is that they have a great bench. They have great teamwork. I think that show in every game that they play to lift the cup. I, I remember the uh, looking at the the lineups in the final and looking at PSG's bench, wondering how certain players could be in this stage. Uh, I'm thinking, for instance, Chupa Motang, who, uh, who, who scored that big goal, uh, I think, over Atalanta. He was a cast-off in Stoke City, uh, right. and I'm not even sure they were in the Premier League at the time, And <laughs> versus looking at Bayern Munich's bench, which still contained superstars, uh, yeah. players like uh, Lucas Hernandez, um, guys that are total, they're champions worldwide, but they, they can't even get into the starting lineup. So yeah. uh, here's the thing. Also, like I said, when it changes style of play, uh, remember Kimmich with Kovac, he was playing uh, uh, right back. You know, he would just keep it in right back. Then Flick came in, he says, no, you're going back in the middle. So Power went to start at the right back. Kimmich, he started playing in, in the middle. And then Thomas Muller started playing behind um, Robert Lewandowski. That created a lot of speed, and that created a lot of openings for the two guys who were playing in the wins. Bayern Munich's, Bayern Munich's Champions League title now sparks a new debate. Who is the best team in the world right now? Uh, some might say Liverpool, given how they dominated England's Premier League. 
however, they slipped up in Europe. They lost against Atletico Madrid. Uh, who would you say is the best team in the world right now in uh, club football? And uh, in black and white, right now, in black and white is Liverpool because they're still the FIFA World Cup champions, okay? But when it comes to uh, watching a team, for me, is Bayern. Bayern right now is the best team in the world, and I think they are going to prove it the same way they proved it in Champions League in the month of December when the FIFA World Cup uh, Club Cup is played. Right. I think had you asked me in uh, January, you would have said I would have said Liverpool. Uh, <laughs> right. The last uh, Liverpool since uh, I would say early March uh, just looked like they were stuttering a bit. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say Bayern Munich. They're gonna start the season number one on my power rankings. I don't do power rankings, but if I did, Bayern Munich would be there. Uh, yeah. Now their executive chairman Karl Heinz Rummenigge, he his target for running this club. Uh, he said it. I he, he said it. They want to reduce the intervals between their European titles. So the last one uh, prior to 2020 was in 2013. That's seven years. If they cut that in half, that would be that would have them winning by 2023 in the next three years. Uh, do you see? Can they repeat as champions next season? And do you see them winning it again uh, by 2023, fulfilling the goal of the club? You know. For me, Bayern Munich is on top of my list. At the moment, they're on top of my list. And, and I tell you, straight answer, yes, they can repeat next year, not until 2023. I think they have the club, they have the players, they have the coaching staff to repeat next year. Why? Because this team proved that you can have a mixture of veterans with youth. But remember, in, in Bundesliga, a lot of these youth they already have more than 100 games. You know, these are 22, 23-year-old player, but they already have over 100 games in first division. Right, so, Alfonso Davies is 19. Yeah, so, and the new hiring. I mean, they're buying two or three more players for next season. Uh, they, they're going to come in on board. So I think uh, if, you, if, you, if, if you want to put it on a list and if you want to put a chip, you know, on a, on a team, Put that chip and Bayern Munich to repeat next year. Uh, I'm going to agree with you again. And for one reason, uh, which you haven't mentioned, which is Robert Lewandowski. He is the man as far as goal scorers okay. go. Of course. Uh, there was no, no Ballon d'Or this year because of the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, France football said there's just an incomplete sample set and we're not going to award this uh, – this prestigious trophy, but if there was one, uh, I think Lewandowski would have been a shoe in because he has, uh, he's led his team to the top. He's, he's been around, um, you know, he's been around for, uh, at the top level for nine or 10 years now. Yes. This is his first time uh, lifting the European cup and he actually slept with the trophy the night after they, um, I'm not sure if you saw on social media, uh, but he put out uh, a post in bed with uh, old I've been calling the game for Champions League for 25 years. I've been waiting for a moment that I can sleep with a cup <laughs> and he gets a chance. <laughs> well, maybe next year, if you, if you sign with Bayern, uh, that might be your best chance. But uh, <laughs> uh, for me, Lewandowski is the, uh, he would have been the Ballon d'Or winner. 
he is the best out-and-out striker in the world. He scored something like 55, 60 goals this season uh, for club and country. Um, what I ask you is, where do you put him of the best strikers you've seen in your career? Where does Lewandowski rank? As a goal scorer? Um, as, as, a number, as a number nine. Yeah, as, as a center forward, I will put him in the, my top five. Top I think five. Uh, he deserves to be up there because uh, uh, he has kept the momentum year after year. Even when he came into uh, Dorman, uh, from that point on, he, he became uh, a well-known worldwide. Unfortunately, um, there was Messi and Cristiano uh, yeah. at the time, you know, but... But, but I will put him in between there also, Messi, Cristiano, Benzema, and, and, and right behind Benzema, I will put Lewandowski or whatever. You know, if you like him, maybe in the third place, maybe third place. But uh, I will put him on, on, on a top five. And the situation with the uh, uh, golden ball, I think it's, it's an unjust situation, you know. And, and, and my thought is, just because the French League uh, the government said there's no more football to be played. The top four of the five leagues in Europe, they finished their tournaments. And one of them was the Bundesliga. He was the goal scorer. He was the goal scorer of the Champions League that just finished last, uh, this weekend. So I think it's an unjust situation. And uh, I think they should overturn the decision because my question to all of them what if Mbappé or Neymar, they would have scored two or three goals in the final? What was going to happen? Just because what the people from France are the ones that they give this trophy uh, to the winners, would they overturn it? I think they would. So I think, I think it, the football world should complain and overturn the situation, the, the decision, and give them the, give them the ball. I have a feeling that given how Lewandowski takes care of himself physically, uh, his commitment to that and his commitment to the mental side of the game, I see him staying at the top uh, for at least another two to three years and winning the Champions League again. And he will get that ball yeah. more. Um, especially if in 2021, I'm not sure if uh, off the top of my head, if Poland is in the, uh, will be in the Euro, but uh, if they, if they make noise internationally at any point between in 2021 or in the World Cup in 2022, uh, Lewandowski will, will get his hands on that Ballon d'Or and sure. uh, he will sleep with the trophy. I believe too. Um, I just want to wrap up the, uh, our look back at the Champions League. This was, uh, you, you talked about it at the beginning. It was, uh, it was tiring with games every single day. Um, you know, they, they did this final eight tournament in Portugal between right. August 12th, August 23rd, um, single legs instead of double legs. There was some great drama in it, uh, particularly Lyon's win over, um, over uh, Manchester City, uh, Atalanta's almost beating PSG. Um, what aspects of the tournament? Well, first I asked, did you enjoy this format? And also, and then what parts of this uh, sprint to the cup would you like to see in future Champions League competitions? You know, it was different um, because normally, like, like I mentioned before, uh, around the, the time of, of the final, we're usually in Europe, 
you know, in, in the city where it happens. And we broadcast all the shows from there until the final, the pre and the post shows. But it was very attractive. I think it was very intense. And to me, it made me feel like I was calling Euro games, you know, because it's 90 minutes, boom, you're out. Uh, so, um, but I think it was very attractive. And at the end, uh, I think it opened the door uh, to change the race for the title to a single elimination because uh, uh, Rumenegui uh, a couple of weeks ago had mentioned that this idea of playing a final four, not a final eight, the idea of playing a final four in one city, uh, it's been hanging around uh, uh, UEFA for about a year or so. So I think what happened now, it will be in great consideration of changing the system. How do you come up with a, with a winner? And I think that, that with a single elimination, it's going to be good because uh, uh, it will open greater business for the country and the city that actually hosts this. Uh, it will also... Uh, have maybe more teams participating in the group stages. And it will also be, for television uh, purposes, there will be more broadcast in the group stages. So uh, I think it, it will be good. You know, if we look at it uh, uh, as if it was like an American uh, sports, uh, the way they, they crown teams, you know, like, for example, uh, NAAC, uh, the basketball you know, right? The NCAA, yeah, the NCAA. I think uh, I think it's, it's it's great the way they do it. You know, because for ninety minutes you have to show that you are the best, that you are there to compete, not waiting and waiting and waiting, and maybe I'll make it happen in the next ninety minutes when we play home. I have a feeling the Champions League is going to be. It's never going to be the same. I, I say this about a lot of things. Everything changes after uh you know after this year that is 2020 um and, and i have a feeling that uh you know one thing you said was that having more teams in one city imagine what this scene would have been like with fans of the team it, it was almost like uh fifa has been trying to have this uh club world cup um you know they take it around the world but they're trying to have uh make it a tournament style right. where more fans come to one place and as you see in every international tournament, it always adds a little something extra. Uh, and I think a, a net positive when you have fans coming to one location, uh, multiple groups of fans, um, you know, there, there's always a- uh, The atmosphere, you know, it, it, it's, yeah. you gotta feel it, you know, uh, in the streets and the bars and in the restaurants, you know, it, all, all this is part of the game. So uh, you imagine if, uh, uh, French fans, uh, German uh, fans, uh, British fans, you know, they would have been in, in, in Portugal and Lisbon. I think it would have been great for the city and for UEFA. I agree. Um, moving on from uh, the Champions League winners, uh, now one of the big, uh, really the, the big story in the soccer world right now is the chaos that is going on at FC Barcelona. Uh, they, they were, Bayern Munich hammered them in the quarterfinals 8-2 in a game that uh, we'll, we'll probably be talking about for the next 25 to 50 years. Barcelona hasn't been to the Champions League finals since 2015. This is their first trophyless season since 2007-2008. Uh, 
And just yesterday, on Tuesday, Lionel Messi issues a bombshell, uh, a written transfer request after 20 years, uh, 16 of them in the first team, 34 major trophies, club record 634 goals in 731 appearances. Um, now, there's one thing to note is that Messi, this, this looks like there's a legal battle brewing. Um, and I actually wrote about this yesterday yeah. because Messi believes, Messi had a clause in his contract that allows him to leave for free after the 2019, uh, sorry, after the 2019-20 season. Uh, in, the, in the contract language, the clause said it expired on June 10th. Since this season extended into August, Messi believes he had one week after the end of the Champions League final which would put him at around July, uh, August 30th to exercise this clause. Uh, so it looks like this is going to go into lawyer. Uh, the lawyers are going to decide this because Barcelona has responded to his request saying, um, we've received your request. We want you to stay. And by the way, your clause has expired. So if anybody wants you, you have that 700 million euro buyout fee. Um, is there any way, what is the way forward for Barcelona, uh, it's, this seems like a mess. Their greatest ever player wants out. Uh, how do they? How do they fix this situation? Is there a way to fix this situation? You know, I think legally, um, you're right about that clause. Uh, but Barcelona forgot that the final of the Champions League was supposed to be played on May 30th this year. That's why it says June 10th. Right. So that's why he left a window of 10 days. So then FIFA, when all this happened, FIFA extended the contract for players until the end of the season per league and per uh, continental uh, championship. So until Sunday, that contract was still valid and everything had to change. So he had to, uh, Barcelona, know that they can lose the play without zero. He can go to Manchester City. So... But I think at the end, Barcelona is going to get some money from whatever club he, uh, Leo Messi and stuff playing for. Um, because even if it goes to the highest court of sports, I think they're going to go uh, in favor of uh, Leo Messi and his legal team. The reason is because I think he's going to Manchester City. Manchester City already knows how to deal with this situation like this, you know, in, in, in the sports court. So uh, I think they have a favor on it. But uh, it's, it's, it's horrible the way uh, Messi is leaving. I think the administration did bad things. Uh, the, the, the way they bought new players that actually didn't even fit the system or they were even, uh, even uh, in shape enough to be part of Barcelona. Uh, you know, Boateng is the, the, the biggest uh, example. that they Right, Kevin Prince. You know, and uh, but... With this situation, uh, the team is going to have to rebuild. I don't think they are going, we are going to see Barcelona to be a contender anymore until they rebuild uh, the whole team from the top to the bottom. And in Barcelona and their fans, they're going to have to get used to suffer. Uh, it's going to be tough. And I tell you why, because the biggest stars on the club, when they have left, it has been years before those clubs uh, won a championship. The greatest example is Maradona. When he left Napoli, for the last 20 years that he left, 
Napoli has not left the title in Serie A. Here's another one. Di Stefano, the greatest, one of the greatest players of Real Madrid. He left Real Madrid. It took him 32 years, Real Madrid, to lift the cup. Wow. And here's another one. Pelé left Santos, right? And it took Santos 40 years to win a Copa Libertadores again. So, you know, it, some, in soccer, uh, things go like, like a wheel, you know? It goes from two, three decades, and then boom, things happen again. And I think right now we live in one of those moments. How bad do you think things can become for Barcelona? Uh, is this, uh, maybe they fall out of the Champions League? Uh, is relegation a possibility at, uh, from La Liga? No, uh, I mean, they won't have any problems in Spain um, because uh, the television broadcast rights, uh, the, uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid get the, the most out of the pie. So I think they will have enough money and, and part of the, uh, all the advertising and everything else and endorsements that the club has, uh, they still five, six years left on their contract. So I think money is still going to be coming in. The problem is how do we inject more money so that we can build a winning team? That's going to be very difficult, you know? The, do you get a sense that, is there any chance, uh, in your opinion, that Messi's transfer request signals that he's really trying to go, or is this possibly a power struggle to uh, he makes this action and then it triggers the fans who will demand the board fall now as opposed to next summer uh, when the elections are scheduled for? I know for a fact, uh, also I'm very close to his father, well, close in a way that I can send him a message and he will reply. Uh, but I know for a fact that Lionel has already his mindset. He doesn't want to be at Barcelona anymore. Uh, the club doesn't have any money to build a strong team. He is almost 33 years old. He wants to win the Champions League maybe once or twice again. And, and then think of a retirement team, maybe the MLS or maybe go somewhere else. And, but I think that's what, that's what he's looking for. And, and I think that's why, and I'll give you this, the conversation with uh, Manchester City and Pep Guardiola have been for the past three weeks. So I think, um, I think it's going to be a great deal for him. It's going to be a great deal for Manchester City because since uh, Pep Guardiola left Barcelona, I've said he will never win the Champions League again unless he has Messi with him. Uh, and it's proven that I've, I've been correct you know, from uh, Bayern Munich to Manchester City. So I think if they come together, they will lift the cup soon. What a perfect point to end on and a perfect uh, prediction. Luis, uh, I can't thank you enough for joining me this week. Uh, in the absence of my usual co-host, uh, you are the uh, one of the deans of uh, soccer broadcasting in the United States. Okay. Fans can watch you. Fans can watch him on uh, Univision, uh, TUDN. He's the sports play-by-play -play commentator. Can find you on Twitter, uh, joining over eight hundred thousand others uh, among his followers. That's at Luis Omar Tapia. I am Marcus Quasio Mard. You can find me on Twitter at MKOMard, also at Nesson Soccer. 
I would like to thank you again, Luis. Uh, this has been a great thank show. Thank you everyone for listening and we will see you next week.